Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, today, I don't want to preach the message, but we kind of have some core values around here. One of the things that you'll hear me say a lot because it's a major core value that should be a part of your life. It actually comes straight out of Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, which simply says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And what we mean by that is very simple. You've heard me say this before. One of our values, one of our beliefs, your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. You say, I don't know if I agree with that. Look, you ain't got to agree with it. <laughs> I'm not debating. I'm letting you know. Your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I want you to think about it this way. Not only are my friends going to determine the direction and quality of my life, but that means that God's putting me in a place that the friends that I am friends with, hopefully I'm going to help determine the direction and quality of their life as well. Like that works both ways. It's kind of like prayers. I'm going to give you a little bit of freedom this morning. Are you ready? Most of you spend your life praying to God, asking him to answer prayers, which is amazing. We agree with that. We encourage you to keep doing it. But you sell yourself short because you don't realize that God is empowering you to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Like a lot of times you're so caught up in praying to God for your own needs and watching him move in your own life that you don't realize that God's actually empowering you, that there's somebody that's praying and they're seeking God with everything they've got and God's going to use amazing, ordinary people just like you, just like me, to be the answer to some of those people's prayers in the way that we love them, the way that we minister to them, the way that we help them, the way that we talk to them, the way that we build them up, the way that we have a relationship with them. But we don't a lot of time spend time with that, do we? So today in the Wise Up series, here's what I want us to talk about. If those statements are true, if our friends will determine the direction and quality of our lives, if us being somebody's friend will hopefully determine the direction and quality of their life, if we pray to God and he answers prayers using people on a regular basis, if he empowers us to be one of those people to be an answer to somebody's prayer, then are there some things that should be red flags in people's lives? Are there some things that should be red flags or caution signs in our own lives? Are there some things in God's Word, in Proverbs, that we should look at to help keep ourselves in check? Now, I don't mind telling you, I actually struggled a little bit with this message this week because I do not want to come across from a dogmatic standpoint. I just want to share with you what God's Word is and tell you just to kind of hold up a caution sign as we examine these things. And actually, in Proverbs chapter 6, he lists seven things that God hates. Now, these are not the seven deadly sins that you hear some people talk about, that they've made movies about, that you hear Paul mention later on in the New Testament. These are seven things that King Solomon, the wisest person ever lists, says, hey, these seven things God hates. And I just want to take a moment and go through those. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 16. But before I get there, 
I'm going to give you a little bit of the, the backdrop that I've already studied and spent some time preparing. If you were to look at this, there's a lot that's going on from verse 12 all the way through what we're going to be in reading today. But to help you understand what's really taking place is he's going to reiterate, if you looked at the beginning of chat, or verse 12, he says, a worthless person. And he starts talking about these traits that a lot of times are, are in a worthless person's life. And when he gets to this aspect of saying, and God hates these things, he hates these six things, and he is a, these are abomination, these seven, he's kind of putting an emphasis there. What he's actually talking about is he's describing that if these things are a part of somebody's life, they're worthless. Now, I need to make sure you understand what this means. This is not worthless like they don't have value, because God values everybody. What it's talking about is, is the things that they are offering are not going to bring any worth to you. Because our worth that we have, every worth is a part of us having a relationship with Christ and who God is and what he has bestowed on us. And so he's not saying worthless in verse 12 like these people are less than. What he's saying is be careful with these people because they don't have anything that's going to bring worth to your life. So with that being said, join me in chapter 6 as we look through these few things, starting in verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. If you're like me, I immediately look at what does abomination mean. Very simply, here's the definition. A thing that causes disgust or hatred. So what he's saying is, you know what, there are six things that God hates, seven that are an abomination to him. You say, well, why is he contradicting? Why didn't he just say, hey, there's seven things he's hating, there's seven things. He's actually trying to emphasize what's going to be the seventh thing. He's trying to kind of entice the reader of this to let him know that, hey, there's six things that God's hate. And he puts an emphasis, and oh, by the way, there's a seventh. We're going to get to the seventh in a minute. And then he starts listing these things, and they fall into three different categories. If you're taking notes, go along with me on this journey. Let's look at the first verse where he starts looking at certain things. Verse 17, all of these are going to fall under this bigger umbrella called pride, all right? Bigger umbrella. If, if you write in your Bible, I encourage you to do that. Right beside verse 17, pride. That's going to be the root of these three things that God hates. The first thing he talks about is what? A haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Haughty eyes in this particular definition is very simple. It's the aspect of looking down on people because of their situation, almost in a condescending way. Throughout Scripture, he's constantly warning you to not think more highly of yourself than you should. Here's the way that, that growing up in Nashville, the way we used to put it. Don't look down your nose on people. That's what this aspect of haughty eyes is talking about. The root of that is what? Thinking more highly of yourself and devaluing people as if you have an authority over them or if they don't bring value, they don't have anything to offer. You're thinking less of people and more of yourself and they say halt the eyes. What's the root of that? Pride. Pride is the root of that whole entire situation. If we are going to wise up, one of the things that we have to understand is we've heard the scripture over and over again, pride comes before the fall. It's more than that. When we put our situations, we put ourselves in a situation where we don't value people, 
what happens is what we talked about in a minute earlier, I mean, when he says, hey, we're going to be the answer to somebody's prayer, we miss it. Can I tell you from a personal standpoint, the people that have had the greatest impact in my life, the first time I met them, I would have never thought those would be the people. But it's one of those things that it's amazing how we don't realize the people that God's putting in our life, right? And if you're not careful, you're going to have people that God's putting, he's listening to you. He's answering your prayers. He's putting people in your life to help direct your life through him. The problem is you're missing it because you're looking for the wrong people. You don't find value in people. Let me give you the greatest example. The Jewish people. Why did they miss the Messiah? Because they were looking for a warrior. They didn't realize that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords had come in the form of a flesh. They didn't find value. They looked down their nose. They had haughty eyes. These Pharisees, these scribes, oh, this can't be him. They missed it. Their pride got in the way of seeing exactly who Jesus was. The second thing he talks about is a lying tongue. Haughty eyes or a lying tongue. Again, the root of this is pride, right? If you think about it, if we were to talk a little bit about a lying tongue, either you're elaborating, making something bigger than what it is to make yourself look good, or you're lying about something because you don't want people to know because it makes you look bad. But either way, the lying tongue at the, at the middle of that root is the aspect of pride. You know why God is so consumed with lying? Because it was the first sin that ever entered this world. He created everything, made it perfect, and there was a serpent. And what did the serpent do? He lied to Eve. Can I chase a real quick rabbit? I promise that everything that God has for you in your life is enough. You don't have to lie like your life's not good enough. I've told people more than once, I love my everyday, ordinary, simple life. I don't need to have some rock star type lifestyle. I don't need to have some big, everyday, ordinary, simple life. But I don't understand why sometimes we look at our life and we start comparing with other people in the fronts that they put on, and we almost start devaluing, the haughty eyes, here it comes, what we have because we see what somebody else has and we think our life isn't good enough. I promise you are not going to get to your greatest days not learning to be content in your present day. Like for some of us, including me on the stage, we need to stop and examine our lives and look at everything that God's going, wow, this is a great life. I've got friends that love me. I've got family that loves me. I've got a wife that loves me. I've got kids that love me. I've got, yes, I have people that are knuckleheads. I've got people that make poor decisions. I've got people that'll tear me down. But at the same time, I've also got people that'll build me up. It's that old saying, it's mind over matter, right? Because if you learn not to mind, it don't really matter. 
But it's amazing what we focus on, isn't it? And then we find ourselves in a situation and somebody's asking us about different things. And for whatever reason, not even meaning to, we start elaborating and telling stories as if, like, we got to make something more valuable than what we really have. I said in a meeting last week, maybe two weeks ago, losing track of time with everything going on. And I love the saying that this gentleman said. He said, you know what, this has been great. We were eating lunch, and I was sitting with one of our elders, with this gentleman. And he says, I love this, man. We're just like hanging out like this. He says, real recognizes real. And I thought, now that's good. You know why a lot of people struggle? Because real recognizes real. And when you come across fake and phony, you know what they go? I ain't got time for that. Living a fake life is just as much as lying. Acting like you're something you're not is just as much lying. And God says, you know what, I hate that. we got to wise up. And then the third part of this aspect that falls under pride is not only the aspect of a halty eyes and a lying tongue, but he also says, and hands that shed innocent blood. Why is that such a major deal? Again, it's that root of pride, right? My life's more important than your life. I'm bigger than you. I have the ability to decide that you shouldn't be here anymore. But I think one of the most misquoted scriptures in God's word shows up two different times. One in Deuteronomy, one in Exodus, in the Ten Commandments. In fact, I would tell you if you have a translation that doesn't read correctly, you may want to be careful with that scripture that you have. But I want you to know that that scripture... The Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not murder. It doesn't say, thou shalt not kill. See, the part of the things is, is that even in God's word, there were people, because they were fighting for certain things, that they went to war. And you know what? Unfortunately, the result, the consequence was people being killed. Even in our society. There's things that go on and people in law enforcement and doing different things. And unfortunately, it results, unfortunately, that people lose their life. That is not what this scripture is talking about. What this scripture is talking about is murder. The shedding of innocent blood. You say, Mickey, what's the difference? The motive. The motive is extremely important. It's one thing to be in a war serving your country, and to be put in a situation where it's, it's, it's die or, or be killed, it's another thing to think that you have the ability to be better than somebody else, and so therefore I'm going to reign over them, and I'm going to conceive in my heart that they should not be here. I have hatred for them, I have disdain for them, and I'm going to murder them. That's what it's talking about. Like this aspect of like thinking that you're better than somebody. Thinking that you're more important than somebody. Like what God really hates is when people don't value each other. We got to wise up. We got to go down and we got to help different people. We got to help all people. 
We got to go through every single community and neighborhood and love them well and not make everybody just fit in this one little clause and look like us, be like us, be in our economic structure, be it whatever it may be. I mean, listen to me. The church has failed in the 80s. And it caught up with them in the 90s and 2000s. Why? Because everything they did was built for a husband and a wife with kids. And all of a sudden, divorces started happening. And different things. And all of a sudden, the church is like, well, I don't know what we're going to do with this. And oh, well, we'll just have this single ministry. And it's the most non-thought-about thing in the church. Because most churches are built around family ministries. Well, what if I don't have what you call is the traditional family? You guys still value them. And I'm not talking about value them because, like, oh, they have something to offer us. Because everybody has something to offer us. I'm talking about valuing them. Why? Because they're worth being valued. They may have had something happen in their life. And just because they hit struggles doesn't disqualify them from God's blessings. But we aren't acting wise when we start trying to categorize and fit different things. Mickey, you, you kind of fired up. Yeah, I am. Because I'm tired of watching people miss it. I'm tired of talking to people. They say, well, yeah, I used to go to so-and-so or wherever. But you know what? Nobody talked to me. Nobody valued me. Nobody. Why? What is it about our lives that ever put us in a situation, if we have a relationship with Christ, that we say, you know what? That person didn't have anything to offer me. So they're not going to be a part of my life. I better move on because what's in my mind doesn't need to come out my mouth. Next verse, verse 18. These two things in verse 18 are going to fall under the idea of a warped mind. The first thing he's talking about that he hates is, is the aspect of pride. The second thing is going to be a warped mind. Listen to these two things. A heart that devises wicked plans and feet that make haste to run to evil. Do you know that every single major decision you've ever made, every poor decision, great decision, and I'm not talking about it involving you. We've talked about that before. Most everything in your life started first in your mind. Even before it welled up in your heart, you've spent some time. I think that's the reason why in Romans he talks about this renewing of your mind, this daily renewing that we've got to, if we're going to wise up, we've got to mentally check in. In these two things where he talks about devises wicked plans or their feet run towards evil, what he's talking about is people that mentally have already made up in their mind, I know what's right, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. God hates that. In fact, if you do it enough, this word called desensitization shows up in your life. And all of a sudden, the things that used to bother you that you thought were wrong, all of a sudden you go, oh, it ain't that big of a deal. Well, it's no longer white or black. There's kind of a gray area. I always love to listen to people try to explain to me why their age and maturity gives them the ability to watch or listen to stuff but it'd be stuff that we wouldn't play in the children's area. Or we wouldn't show the movie on the bus on a student trip. Or if they showed it in a classroom at the high school, we'd probably call the principal. Or if they had it in the curriculum, hey, did you, have you read this curriculum? Did you look at some of this language? I cannot believe, 
This play, do you know the play that they did the other day at Bradley Central? Oh, my goodness. But it's one of those things of what? It's, a, it's, it's funny how aware we can be with everybody else's life. But with our own life, we're like, oh, no, it's okay. Mentally, no, I'm good. Now, please, I have to say this. I'm not talking about wising up some legalistic, pharisaical, oh, you shouldn't do, shouldn't do, shouldn't do. I'm just saying run towards godliness, whatever that means for you. We're all going to be at different stages of where we're at in our life. Some of you are going to be like, I, I'm just, okay, it's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make you do anything. I'm just telling you one of the things that God hates is a wicked mind. People that devise evil, people that know what's right, but yet they do what's wrong, even though they know that it's wrong. This aspect of running towards evil, it's amazing the umbrellas people will put under that and try to justify that it's okay. I'm just telling you guys, and I'm telling myself, Wise up. I don't care what it's standing for, evil's evil. And you shouldn't participate in it. And you shouldn't run towards it. I don't care what the battle cry is. I don't care what's going on. I don't know what it is about our culture. But if it's wrong, it's wrong. And if you know it's wrong, then do yourself a favor. Don't participate. The last area that he talks about is the last verse. And this is, he's talking about loving people. So you had this aspect of pride, you had this aspect of a warped mind, now he's talking about loving people in verse 19. He said, a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. You know, the first one, a false witness who breathes out lies, do you know in our court system that you could literally be penalized with a fine or go to jail for this exact reason? It's called perjury. The fact that if you go on a witness stand and you start being a witness towards somebody, if you were to lie, you would create perjury and it could be penalized even in our own earthly court system. They realize how detrimental this could be to somebody's life. So much so that in the court of law, when you take an oath for you to lie and be a false witness on somebody else's character could result in fines or even imprisonment. I think this is one of the things that that God puts them together because he's talking about the way we love people. And the fact that sometimes if we're not careful, what you think is building you up is actually just pushing other people down. When we're sharing things about other people, especially when they're not even the truth, that's not gossip. That's a false witness. You are intentionally tearing another person's character and who they are as a being down. And God says, I hate it. You say, Mickey, what if it's true? Well, maturity is knowing you don't have to say everything that's in your head. Sometimes we just got to build people up. That's what he says in this next part, right? Someone that creates discord among the brothers. Somebody that's constantly struggling and doing those different things. It's, it's terrible, right? 
But let's go back to this whole aspect of pride. There's three scriptures, actually four, that I want to read. And then I'm going to be done. In Proverbs 16, 8, it says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In Proverbs 11, 2, it says, The fact is that when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And God tells us in Proverbs 18, 12, Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. And then one more, Proverbs 29, 23, A man's pride brings him low, then a man's lowly spirit, he gains honor. You know, here's the point of the whole thing. You have these seven things that God hates. And one of the things that he focuses on the most is the aspect of who we are with this pride, who we are mentally and how we're dealing with people. And I read all those scriptures as far as the pride because, because I really believe that's the kind of the root of everything, even when we go back to the garden, you know, Adam and Eve, what? You mean I could become like a God? I could be something more? Like this perfect life in this perfect garden, living forever and God dwelling with me? With one major commandment, be fruitful and multiply? And don't eat of this, but there, there's something more? I can do something more. I mean, like, I joke around about that. Like, I, if I'd have been the first man, I'd be honest with you, I, I, could, I could handle that. You don't have to work. Everything's perfect. Be fruitful and multiply. That's a pretty good life. That is a pretty good life. And, oh, by the way, at the heat of the day, God's going to come down and dwell with you. That is a really good life. But what? Because of lies and because of pride, they thought, oh, there's got to be something more. I made a chart. We'll put this out on social media later on, but I want to do a little bit of a comparison. You know, he talks about pride, right? You know, if we're going to be wise, we have to understand that, that, yeah, there's pride, but there's an opposite to pride, right? You have pride and you have what? Meek. I mean, just think about it. There, there's, what the, there's what the world says and there's what God's word says. And if we're going to be wise, we have to understand that it's not about being prideful, it's about being meek. In fact, in Matthew, in the Beatitudes, it says, And the meek shall inherit the earth. Talks about lying, right? So the opposite of lying is what? Truthful. Just think about how this would show up in your life. You talk about the aspect of being a murderer. You know what the opposite of a murderer is? A protector. You've got somebody that, that, that has malice in their heart, and they're saying, you know what, I'm going to go physically harm this person because I feel like my life's more important than theirs. The opposite has a protector that says, you know what, no matter who this person is, I'm going to put my life on the line because I'm going to protect them. Heart of the wicked. What's the opposite? A heart that is pure. Run to evil. What's the opposite? Flee from it. It's Joseph dropping his cloak and running with Potiphar's wife. Tear down with lies. What's the opposite? Build up with truth. Serves, or, or, or I'm sorry, constantly sows discord. Discord. 
What's the opposite? Brings unity. Now just hang on for that slide for just a minute. And let's look at this. I mean, look at, look at the difference, right? What type of person do you want to be? Pride, lying, murderer, heart that is wicked, run to evil, tear down with lies, sows discord? Who wants to sign up for that? Oh, buddy, my friends are going to determine the direction and quality of my life. Let me get about six of those. Or do we want to find people that are going to be meek and truthful and protector and heart that is pure and flee from evil and build up with truth and they bring unity? See, there, there, there's another way to define this, right? You can hit the next part of this. It's real simple. One's worthless. One side brings no worth to your life. Not only are they not helping you, but if these things are a part of your life, the reason why God hates it is because you're not bringing worth to other people's life either. And you're not even bringing worth to your own life. But boy, this other side brings value, doesn't it? Can I show you how we put it at Crossroads? It's actually our vision. This one side... That's life-sucking. Those things will just suck the life out of you. But this other side, that's life-giving. It's about being life-giving. But I want you to understand, you cannot have things in your life that God hates and wonder why he's not blessing you. You can't do it. You can't have people in your life that brings things that God hates and wonder why. I don't know why my life's like it is. I do. Because your friends are going to determine the direction and quality of your life. You say, oh, great. So we leave here and I got to go get a bunch of new friends. No. No, 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 no. You just got to start being a great friend. That's what we mean by wise up. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.